Well, as, as most of you know, uh, we've been going through our relationship status uh, Bible study, just trying to figure out all the different things that God says about relationships, and uh, we've been all over uh, the Bible. We're, we're going to keep doing that study tonight. We're going to continue here for a few more weeks, uh, for sure. There's, there's, just, there's just endless amounts of information that God has about how we carry on in relationships, right? So we've said week after week, you know, God has created us to be with one another. He's, he didn't create any of us to be all alone, right? We, we need people in our lives to love us. We need people in our lives so that we can love them. And, and that's the way God's put it together. He's, he's designed us to be a one another body of Christ, right, as the church. And, and he's designed us to reach out in love to other people. Um, and, and that word love is at the core of all meaningful relationships, right? That's we're finally getting to the, the L word, right? We're getting to love. And, and if you're going to have a relationship, whether it's a, a deep personal friendship, whether it's, it's a relationship with your folks, if you're going to have a relationship with that special someone that's going to go the distance, that's going to last for your whole lifetime, and it's got to involve love. And it can't involve the world's definition of love because the world defines love as this, this feeling, that's there, and sometimes it's not there, right? And, and God defines it completely differently. And so tonight we're going to look at God's definition of love. We're going to try and see what he has to say about it. He's the one who created us. He created us to love one another. So we ought to at least check out what he says love actually is so that we can try to do it right, all right? And so we're going to get into some of the details. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you brought your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Um, if you did not, if you don't have a Bible, you can just follow on the screen. The verses will pop up as we go, and you can just follow along. Love is, is kind of the glue, like true, biblically understood love is the glue that holds relationships together, right? It, it holds you together through the tough stuff. You put up with a lot of stuff from family because you love family, right? You, you just love your family, and they can do, and they do, they do do, they do do on you. They do things to you that, that is like do do, right? It's, it's, you know, family gives you the worst and you love them anyway. And you give them the worst right back and they love you right back. And man, we, we look at the Bible and the book of 1 John says multiple times in chapter 4 that, that God not only displays love and not only does God have love for us, but God actually is love. That's what 1 John tells us, that, that we can look to God and we can understand what this love thing is. So it, it only makes sense that we should consult the one who loves, the one who is love, for the definition of what this is. And so that's what we're going to try to do. I've been saying you know, for weeks now that if, if we desire to have what God is pr- promising, if we desire to have the results that God promises in relationships, well, man, we've, we've got to be doing these relationship things, we've got to be doing it God's way. And if, if you don't want to do it God's way, you want to do it your own way, then just look around you. You'll get the same results that everybody else is getting. It's, it's not a real good advertisement out there, right, for lasting, meaningful relationships. So we're going to need to, to do the things that God has prescribed. So tonight's study is going to be simple. Um, a lot of you have probably studied 1 Corinthians 13 a lot on your own just because it's, it's just a very common passage to go to when you're talking about the topic of love. So I want to challenge you, you know, don't, don't tune out 
It's a simple message. The reason it's simple is because God wants you to be able to get it. Right? There's some complex, difficult things in the Word of God. They're just, it's just a fact. But there's a lot of simple stuff. And he puts it simple, he puts it waist high, he puts it across the plate so that every single one of you can get it. And we have no excuse to not understand his definition of love. So, so don't tune out if you've heard these things before. Make sure that you fully understand it. Make sure that your relationships are matching God's definition. Right? And if you're not sure if, if this someone is someone I can love, when maybe you can look and kind of evaluate them at the same time. Evaluate yourself. Evaluate the other, the other person, the other individuals in your life. Do they actually love me? Man, am I actually loving them? Do I, do I match God's definition? All right, and so let's go ahead and open up. We'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's uh, only 13 verses, so uh, we'll go through the whole thing. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and charity is the word he uses for love. It suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails, or never faileth. But, where, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a, dark, or through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as, I, as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for this book. Thank you for specifically chapter 13 so that we can get a grasp of what this love thing actually is. And I understand that, that this chapter is actually talking about the different gifts of the Spirit, um, and not one of them is worth anything without love. And that's the point you're trying to get across, Lord. So I do pray that you help us to understand this key principle, this key component to lasting relationships, and, and help us just to, to really get it and own it and and allow you to touch our hearts with what we need to change and how we need to improve. Lord, we love you so much, and uh, we just pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I was trying to think of a, a title for this, and I thought, you know, those, those dumb songs just kept popping in my head. You know, the older one, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. You know, I was going to play it, but I, I'll just sing it to you. <laughs> That's the other one I had, yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely a Tina Turner, 80s, man. That's throwback. I just thought, yeah, what does love got to do with it? Well, it's got everything to do with it, right? And that's what we're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He starts off talking all about the different <laughs> gifts. The, the, the chapter before this, 1 Corinthians 12, 
talks about the different gifts that Christ has bestowed on every believer in, in him, right? You, you give your life to Christ, he places the spirit of God inside of you, and with that spirit, he gives different specific gifts, and all of those gifts are for the purpose of building relationships and building the church and making the church a healthy, incredible body for the world to look at and say, wow, this God, he, he must be incredible. Look, look at how that, that body functions. Look how they work together. Look how they love one another. All right, and so he's, he's going to get the point across that all of, the, all of the gifts that you can have and all of the talent and everything that you can put out there on display, if you don't have love, man, that's just not worth a whole lot. So look at uh, the, the first three verses again. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So the first point we're going to see here is spiritual gifts without love. Right? That's, that's the point he's going to make. He's going to tell us, this is what they look like. This is what, how they function without love. And, and letter A is, all the right words without love have no meaning. You, you can have all the right words. He's saying you can, you can speak any language. You can have the tongues to communicate with anybody. You can have all the perfect words to say. If you don't love that person, why should they listen? Right? If, if I tell my wife, I, I use this example all the time. If I tell my wife, I love you, I love you, I love you, and, and I don't actually show her love, the words are just words. If, if, if there's nothing to back it up. James chapter 2 says uh, in verse 14 through 17, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Man, faith is, is very similar to love. I know this verse doesn't talk about love, but faith and love are very similar. They're not just emotions. They're not just feelings that you have. They're they're things you put into action in order to prove that it's actually there. Christ says, you you believe what I say? That ought to affect your walk. You you ought to to change the way... Okay, I'm better. You ought to change the way you live your life based on the truth that I tell you. If you believe me, if you have faith in what I say, it'll change you. If you love me, that ought to that ought to drive you to do something. It ought to drive you to action, and that's exactly what we saw from God. John 3.16, one of the most popular verses that we know. For God so loved the world, how do we know that? He says that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How do we know that God loved the world? Because he said, I love you, I love you all. Oh, let me prove that I love you. I gave my most treasured for you. What, what was most dear to me was my son, and I gave him up for you. He, he put it into action, didn't he? Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us. How did, how did Christ love us? And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor. Right? How did he, how did he show us love? He gave himself. He sacrificed. 1 John 4.10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is just a big fancy word. That means he replaced our sin. He took the payment, he took the penalty 
on himself that was due to us. I mean, we're all sinners. We're born sinners. We understand that. Nobody's perfect. But there's a price to pay. There's a penalty that the, the Bible tells us in, in Romans that man, the wages of sin is death. What's attached to sin is a payment. Christ knew we couldn't pay for it ourselves, and he took our place because he loved us so much. So, all the right words without love have no meaning, right? Love is an action word. Letter B, knowledge and faith without love is, is empty. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and though I have all faith, he says he has enough faith. I, c- I could move mountains with my faith. If I had that much faith without love, that's pointless. He said that, that's, that's empty. He said it's, if I don't have charity, I'm nothing. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, now is touching things offered unto idols. We know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up but charity edifieth. This, this word puffeth up just means your, your head's getting big. Your head's getting puffed up with knowledge. You're, you're being prideful. Right? You're, you're becoming arrogant with what you know. Well, that doesn't help anybody. Knowledge only makes you pride without love. Uh, Romans one twenty one says, because that, when they knew God, so they had knowledge, they glorified him not as God. They didn't love him. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So the end result of pride, because of what you know, is, is vanity. It's emptiness. Did you know that you can have all of the answers for somebody? You can have the truth that they need to hear, and if you don't love them, are they going to hear anything that you have to say? So the example that comes to mind is, is the guy that stands on the street corner with his Bible in his hand, screaming, Without Christ, you're going to burn in hell. You know, these, these guys are just screaming at everybody that's walking by. They're angry as can be. It's like, I don't know why you're hating, why, why are you telling me this if you hate me? Right? You know, you're, you're a scumbag. You're, you're full of sin. You're going to burn in hell. They might be right. Without Christ, you will be separated from God for an eternity. That is, that is a true message. But somebody that's screaming at you, coming across hateful, Who's listening to that? Those guys are doing more damage than they're helping anybody because, look, I don't, I, t- I tune it out and, and the only time anybody shows up is when somebody else is standing up to them and, and wanting to pick a fight. The, the whole message is missed. People can tell you, you know, when they think they're better than you, you know, people, people understand that, right? You, you can pick up when somebody's trying to tell you something and they think they're better than you, right? You can feel that. You know when somebody actually cares about you and is telling you the truth versus when somebody just wants to correct you. How many of you want more people to correct you in your life? I mean, is that, that's an attractive feature. You know, I, I, I just need somebody to follow me around and tell me all the things I do wrong, and you know, that, that will tell me they love me. But it just doesn't work that way. Letter C, sacrificial giving without love has no value. And, and, and giving is, is another gift of the Spirit. And he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned, I, he's, he's making some extreme statements on purpose to make a point. If I gave everything I had all the way up to my very own life, 
and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Sacrificial giving without love has no value. There, there's no value to it. I get to talk to people in counseling situations all the time, and you know, you sit there and, and you listen to what they're going through, and life is tough, and they'll tell you all the sacrifices they're making for their loved ones, and they're begrudging the people they're making these sacrifices for, right? Oh, yeah, you know, they walk all over me, and I just take it, and that's just the way it's got to be, and they don't appreciate me, and oh, man, you, you clearly love them. <laughs> You're making these tremendous sacrifices for them and feeling sorry for yourself the whole time. That's not love, right? You can, you can sacrifice a lot and feel sorry for yourself and, and not love anybody in the process. You just become bitter. 1 John 5, 3 says, This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, right? God's got some things that, that he's listed for us to follow. If we follow those, and it's costing us sacrifice, and we hate every minute of it, does God say, well, clearly you love me, because you're doing what I ask you to do? No, the heart behind it is what God's after, right? He's, he's after wanting to know that we want to serve him, we want to follow him, we want to, to be in his footsteps. So the point Paul's making, I have it on your sheet, God gave us gifts to combine them with love and use them to build and bless others. Right? None of those gifts, gifts were to serve ourselves. God gave us gifts to combine them with love and use them to build and to bless other people. Ephesians 4 Verses 11 and 12, it says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Okay? He, he just listed these gifts that he gave. Here's the reason why. For the perfecting of the saints, that's the believers in Christ. For the work of the ministry, that's serving one another. For the edifying of the body of Christ. For the building up of other people. Those are the reasons all those gifts exist. To build relationships. Right? And, and none of those gifts work at all without love. That's how he started this whole chapter out. I've, got, I've given you these incredible gifts. Me, Paul, myself, I got all of them. I, I got gifts in spades. I got more gifts than I know what to do with. And if I had all these gifts and could do all this work and I didn't have an ounce of love, I would accomplish nothing. Nothing for Christ. I would have no relationships that meant anything. Nobody would understand Christ any better it would be all for nothing. It's a waste, right? You could be the most talented, the most incredible, the most gifted without love. You serve the Lord no purpose. So then he gets into the definition. So what is charity? What is love? 1 Corinthians 13, verses four through seven, he says, charity suffereth long and is kind. It envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Right? Biblically defined love is our second point. And we've just got basically what he's listed. I have those there, and we have some other verses that will help us hopefully get a good understanding of some of these terms. Some of the things that Paul lists are clear definitions of what love is, and sometimes you can understand what something is by telling you the opposite. 
right? So he says, love is this, love is this. Love is clearly not that, and it's not this other thing, okay? So he's, he's given us some comparisons, some contrasts, and he's letting us know what love is and how it functions. The first couple of there he has, he says that love is long-suffering and kind, all right? And we've seen that word long-suffering a lot recently in the different studies that we've done, and I always say that, look, this is my favorite attribute of the Lord. He's long-suffering. He can put up with me for a really long time. He has waited and waited and waited, and he's so patient. But man, it's the, it's the worst thing <laughs> he could ask me to be, is long-suffering, because I don't know how long, and I don't know when it's going to end, and I don't know what it's going to entail. He just says long-suffering. And I like to say, man, if he, if he at least said month-long suffering, we'd be okay. We'd be just fine if, he's, if it was just called month-long suffering. Oh, yeah, I, got, I, can, I can handle that. We'll just, we'll just hang on tight for a month, and it'll be over, and then we'll be on to the next thing. And That's just not what he calls it, though. Ephesians 4.32, the other word he uses here is kind. He says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see why those two words are connected? Long-suffering and kind, forgiving one another, and you got to be pretty long-suffering to put up with each other, don't we? Because <laughs> a lot of times we only think about ourselves, and that hurts. He says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How did God forgive me? Well, God was very long-suffering in his forgiveness of me. He's been very patient. Luke six thirty-five. but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. You see what kindness is doing good things, right? Kindness is not niceness. Those are not the same term. It's not being nice. It's, it's doing good for somebody else. I've known really, really, really nice people who would lie to your face. That's not kind. It's different, okay? That's not the point. Kindness that he's talking about here, long-suffering, is, is doing good to people who, man, they don't return good back to you. That's why the two are tied together. Genesis forty fourteen says, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. So this is the story of Joseph. He's, he's been locked in prison uh, unjustly, right? He's been locked in prison, and one guy gets out, and he says, hey, man, if, if you could take my case to the king, to Pharaoh, and tell him about me, that'd be really, that'd be a great kindness you could pay to me, right? So kindness is a gesture, a movement of trying to do something good to benefit somebody else. And sometimes... It requires long-suffering to be able to do it. Uh, the next one, letter B, not covetous of others. He says, charity envieth not. Well, envy is, is wanting what somebody else has, wanting to be what somebody else is or who somebody else is. Acts 7, 9 says, the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. And if you know the story of Joseph, he was the favorite son. His brothers were jealous. They were envious of his attention that he got from their dad, and so they ended up selling him into slavery. Acts 17.5, the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. These are, these are some ruffians. 
you're going to start a gang, that's probably what you want to call it, the lewd fellows of the baser sort. <laughs> That'd be really intimidating. And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason. I mean, Jason's probably ticked. And sought to bring them out to the people. So there's these lewd fellows of the baser sort. There's these thugs who are starting to fight because they've been moved with envy because the Lord is changing lives in their city, right? They're just some hit men, right? And, and, and God says love, love is not envious of other people. Love is satisfied with what you have, right? L- love is not gonna be jealous in that way. Uh, letter C, it's not prideful. Charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. We just saw that word puffed up. The other word vaunt, Back in Judges chapter 7, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. The story here is that Gideon is putting together an army to go fight the enemies, and God's saying, Well, that army's still too big. You're going to go in with this massive army, you're going to wipe them out, and then you're going to take credit. I need less people. You, you need less people, because when you go in... I'm going to do the work, and I'm going to get the credit. Don't vaunt yourself up in pride and take my credit. God's not about us getting his credit. So, so the rest of the story is he, he whittles this army down to 300 soldiers and goes in and whoops many thousands. So God has to get the credit, and Israel can't vaunt themselves up in pride and say, well, mine own hand hath saved me. Right. So, so love is not prideful. You don't love somebody else for how it makes you feel, for how it makes you look. But man, it makes me feel good when people see me with him or with her. Letter D, not unseemly. And and this is not natural. It's not a word we use often, often, unseemly. Uh, It's in disagreement with what God said is natural. Romans 127 says, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, with men with men, seeking or working that which is unseemly, same word, and receiving in themselves recompense of their error, which was meat. God created things to work a certain way. It's unseemly to think it's natural to do it another way. Okay? God has set it up in a specific order. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 Verses 1 through 5 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinence, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from, from such, turn away. Right? It's unseemly to say that love is something completely opposite of what God says love is. Right? You can't define it any other way. You have to stick with what God defines because God's the one that created it. You can't redefine it. Letter E is not self-seeking. Seeketh not itself. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 and 24. All things are lawful unto me. I have liberty, but all things are not expedient. That means helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. 
not everything that I'm allowed to do actually benefits others. Right? I can do all kinds of stuff in my, my freedom in Christ, but not everything that I can do is good for everybody else, is what he's saying. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. And again, we saw this a couple of weeks ago. He's not saying go, go steal somebody else's wealth, don't, don't take somebody else's money. He's saying don't, don't seek your own well-being and benefit. Seek that other people would be benefited. Seek to build other people up. You have all kinds of liberty. Why don't you use your liberty to actually benefit and build somebody else up? Wouldn't that be a concept? That would show love, right? It, it's, it's not love if, if you're using your liberty, liberty to just benefit yourself all the time. That's not loving. That's, that's self-seeking. That's selfish. A letter F, not easily provoked or jump to conclusions. is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We saw that term vain imagination a little bit ago. You know, there's, this is one thing that, that I struggle with in, in my marriage when we're disagreeing on something. Man, I just, I just jump to conclusions about what she thinks about me, how she feels about me, what's, you know, like, I instantly think that she thinks all of these terrible things about me when she doesn't think any of those terrible things about me. It's just my own vain imagination putting those things there. Well, that's not love. To, to assume that she assumes the worst, that's not loving. That's, that's, that's wrong of me. It's some deep-seated some mess that I'm working on. <laughs> the Lord's working on me. Acts 17, 16 says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. He was, his spirit was stirred, his spirit was provoked. And it didn't happen easily. It, it took, you know, a city full of sin to mess him up. Uh, letter G uh, finds joy in the truth, not in sin. Romans one thirty two, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Right? It's not just about redefining what love is. It's taking pleasure in what you've redefined. And God says, look, you're, you're taking pleasure in sin and you're calling it love. I'm not okay with that. I'm just not okay with that. Um, the next verse I have, Psalm 119, 165. That's actually supposed to go with letter F if you want to move it there. It says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And loving God's word and, and loving somebody else, if you're just easily offended, well, that's just selfishness. It, it really is. If you're easily offended all the time, then, then you lack love. If you're easily offended by the person you say that you love with all your heart, then there's something wrong with you. Well, maybe they, maybe they do hate you. It's probably not the case, <laughs> right? It's certainly not the case with, with my wife. I know that she loves me. Why do I jump to conclusions? Because I'm not being loving in the moment. I'm not giving her the benefit of the doubt. I'm jumping to a conclusion that couldn't possibly be true. Then he, he gives us a couple more. He says, bears all, believes all, uh, endures all, believeth all things, hopeth all things, all, all of that. He lists for us. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. For this cause when I could no longer forbear, right? This is the same word as, as beareth all. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, 
and our labor be in vain. So Paul, he, he, he tolerated as long as he could, and he couldn't handle it anymore, and he had to find out. That's the same word as we bear one another. Right? 1 Corinthians 9, 12 says, If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things. We allow all things. We bear with you in, in the things you're struggling with, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Right? We, we hold each other up and hold each other's burdens. We allow the suffering of others because we care about those. We're there with them. Uh, believes all. Have you ever had somebody that, that genuinely believes in you? Like believes you can accomplish things that, that you didn't ever even believe yourself? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, that says I love you like nothing else for me. When, when I was working on transitioning from you know, a professional career in engineering to this job, um, you know, it was several months of trying to figure out, is, is this actually what God wants? Is this going to be okay? Overnight, my kids, if this is the decision, overnight, my kids become pastor's kids. And all the ridiculous expectations that people want to put on pastor's kids become my kids' baggage all of a sudden. I've got to take that into consideration. And my wife becomes a pastor's wife, and look, I, I'm going to do my best to protect them and insulate them from that and help them understand how to walk that walk and just be themselves with Christ and not worry about what anybody else says, but those expectations will be there. And so it took us several months to figure out, and is this something that we can do? I, is this something God wants me to do? Is this something I want to do? And, and I asked Jenny because I was like, okay, look, if, if she just says, yes, we got to do this, that'll be my answer. If she says, I just don't think that's a good idea, that'll be my answer. And she said, I will follow you wherever you go. I was like, I wanted an answer, and I, I just wanted something written in the sky or something, or, or just have my wife tell me what to do. I'll be all right with that for once. It's, just, it's okay. Just tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And she's like, no, I will follow you wherever you go because I know that you're following the Lord, and I know that with him, you're going to accomplish anything he wants you to do. And I'm like, well, pfft. she loves me. She knows all my flaws. She knows what a mess I am on a daily basis. And she said she'll follow me anywhere I go. Man, it didn't puff me up. That just, that was like, I'm ready to charge in, right? What's, what's the saying? I'm going to charge hell with a squirt gun because my wife said I could do it. <laughs> Doggone it. And, and I'm, I'm going to die trying because she said I could do it. I'm ready to go. She loves me. It doesn't matter what Alex thinks. No, I mean, seriously, that's, that's the one that really speaks love to me. She believes in me. John 3, 16, that, that same word he uses for believe there, he uses whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's that kind of belief. Just faith in me. The first Corinthians, or first Thessalonians 2, 4 says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. God believed in us enough to entrust us with his saving message of the gospel. He loves us enough to believe that we could carry his message to other people. He has placed everybody else's eternity in our hands. 
Right? Obviously, he's the one that saves people. But he's given us the message, and he says, I believe that you're going to take it. I love you enough to believe in you that you're going to take this message to other people. That's a big, big deal. That speaks love to me. Man, I, I need to love him enough and believe that he'll do the rest of the work. And then uh, we've got endures all. For better or for worse, till death do us part. Sound familiar? How much can you endure? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. See, God says, you endure things for my name, I'll give you a crown. Oh, you love me, I'll give you a crown. Same crown. Endurance says, I love you, God. Sticking with the stuff says, I love you, God. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Amen. See, he, he loved us enough that he endured torture to death, right? All the way to death. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself. A man with no sin, God in human flesh, what a contradiction that is. He endured it for us. He says, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You getting tired of enduring? Man, just think a little bit about what he endured for you. You getting tired of enduring and loving somebody else when, when they just keep using you and keep, keep mistreating you? Do you love them? Do you endure it? Think about how he endured to love us. Man, that gives you just a little bit more strength, doesn't it? He wraps the chapter up. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13. He says, charity never faileth. And he's not saying, look, if you love somebody, you're never going to fail them. We'll get to the point here, but you can see it in these other verses. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Now, did God's prophets ever fail? Did, did the messages not come true? No, that's not what he's talking about. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. That's what he's talking about. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, when that which is perfect is come, that which is mature or complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. He's saying there are some gifts that were set up to start the church. And once the church has been started, those gifts aren't going to be needed anymore. There are some gifts that had everything to do with the finishing of the revelation of God's word, right? Which Paul was writing right here, what we're reading now. He says, it's, it's in part right now. When this is done, these things will be done away. You know what won't be done away? You know what won't fail? What won't ever not be needed again? Love. Love is always going to be a part of the mix. Love is going to endure. It doesn't fail because it's not going to stop. We still need to love no matter what. These things are going to end because some of those things are going to be fully established. They're going to be mature. The word of God is going to be complete. We won't need tongues anymore because we won't need to prove that I'm saying what God said. We know what God said. We have it in a book. We won't need those things anymore. But we will need love. It's got to endure. All right, and so we see that in number three. It's a lasting love. Lasting love, and, and letter A under that is love is always needed. 
We're about out of time, but we, we don't have any cross-references here. Charity never faileth. These other things, they're going to they're gonna be done away with. But charity is going to always be needed. We, we have to have that. The second thing that we see there is that love matures. Let her be. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I came, became a man, I put away childish things. Right? When you love somebody as a kid, and through middle school and all of those things, it's, it's very surfacey. It's very much the opposite of 1 Corinthians 13. It's very self-serving, right? It, it's just all of those things because you're a kid and you're learning. And, and this is what your body says and this is what your mind says and, well, it must be right. Well, it's not right. God is right. And as I'm becoming a man and understanding the things that God's defining for me, I'm putting away the things that I thought I understood about love. I'm putting away childish things. He says, verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, here he's talking about the revelation again, it's only partially finished, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. So at the, Paul, at the time of Paul's writing here, he is in the process of finishing God's revelation. God is inspiring Paul to write letters that God is going to preserve for all of eternity. So we talked a couple of weeks ago, about God's word is like looking into a mirror, looking into a glass, he calls it. And here he says it's looking into a glass darkly. Why? I can't quite make it all out yet. The book's not done yet. He's in the process of revealing it, right? And it was still maturing. And so as our knowledge of God's word grows, our love for it, our love for God, and our love for others ought to be growing as well. We ought to be maturing the more we learn about God's word. Now, God's word is complete. How many of you know it all? I can't, I can't even raise my hand for like half a chapter of Ephesians. I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what all's in there. There's, there's so much depth to God's word. Right? So we're always going to be learning new things. Those things aren't new as far as revelation is concerned. They're new things to you. As you're learning things, you ought to be growing And with that growth, your love ought to be growing. Your love ought to mature and be able to to be more like what God just defined than it used to be. Right? God should be revealing those things to our heart, and we should be responding to match that list. Look, nobody's going to be perfect. You know, if you're looking for Mr. and Mrs. Perfect and you're checking the boxes on that list, oh, ah, they, they seek their own. That might be a good one to, to avoid, but, you know, somebody's <laughs> going to fail something on the list somewhere along the line, and, and so are you. It's, it's the heart behind it. I was talking to a friend today, and he said, man, I want you to hold me accountable. I, I'm going to fail, but man, there's just something that should never be a part of my life, and that's hypocrisy. I, I should never be, on purpose, deceitful, right? I should never be seeking these things, knowing better. I'm, I'm certainly going to fail. I'm going I'm I'm to fail you. You're going to have to call me out. But man, it should never, ever be hypocrisy in my life. Love is a key ingredient, is, is the key ingredient, is letter C. Love is the key ingredient. We, uh, we go out to eat every so often, 
you know, the kids think that's the coolest thing ever. You know, fast food isn't cool. Sit-down restaurants are cool, right? And so if we go to Bob Evans, Bob Evans is coolest because breakfast all day, right? I mean, how cool is that? That's great. And we'll get pancakes or something. Weston always gets the pancakes. It's, some pig, it's, it's piggy pancakes. It's a, there's a pig face and little ears, and they cut a banana for the nose and little chocolate dots, whatever. And, and Jenny will ask, you know, how's, how's the pancakes? They're not as good as yours, Mommy. Because Mommy makes her pancakes with love, right? right? The key ingredient is always love. None of this stuff means anything without love. And, and Westy's a mama's boy, and that's okay. He says, now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Man, faith faith is incredible. We saw earlier, though, that that faith without love, you can know everything that God has to say. You can have all the revelation understood, and you can believe it all. If you don't have love, he says, I mean, that measures up to nothing. Oh, that's great. Hope. I mean, what is hope? What is the purpose of it? (laughs) So that you know that Jesus Christ loves you and he's going to return for you. And you have an eternity reserved for you in heaven. That should give you hope, but but it's because he loves you. Right? Hope without love. Charity is the greatest of these three. Love is the main ingredient that makes everything else work. If our church is going to reach people with the truth of God's word, with the truth of the gospel, the good news that Jesus has given his life for ours, it's going to be because we love people enough to tell them. And it's going to be because we love people enough to love them while we tell them. Right? To actually, genuinely care about what's going on in their lives. Instead of screaming at them the truth, or just saying the truth to them, and they know we don't care about the details of their lives. If we're going to have friendships that mean something, if we're going to have relationships, you're going to have to have people in your life that are going to tell you the truth, right? And they're going to want to hear the truth from you. They're going to do it because they trust that you actually genuinely love them and you're not going to use that information against them some way or, or just for your own benefit. Remember, we just saw that verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. You know, don't cast your pearls before swine. Why? Because they're going to turn around, they're going to trample your pearls, they're going to turn around and trample you. Don't, Don't give the precious things of your life to just anybody. You need somebody that you trust, that you know loves you in return, and they're going to keep those things, and they're going to treasure those things, and they're going to take care of you. And they're going to tell you the truth. It's okay if you tell me the truth. I'll hear the truth from you because I know you love me. And if we're going to be someone that that someone else can love for a lifetime, God's definition is the only way that works. There, There are people out there that don't know the Lord that have incredible marriages. It's because their definition of love just happens to match really closely to God's. Look, love works. God's definition of love works. There are people out there that don't know him yet, hopefully we'll know him soon, that sacrifice for one another. That, that do it not expecting anything in return. All right? 
God's definition is, is true. It is, it is what true love is. And he's the one that created it. And he created us all with this, this gap in our lives. We need that to fill it. But first and foremost, you need his love. And you need to understand, without a relationship with Christ, everything else is emptiness. We've, we've looked at that first in this study. And that needs to be your first pursuit. And if you don't know Christ tonight, if you don't know him as your Savior, if you don't understand what he's done for you, please, please come up and ask me. Ask somebody else. Uh, you know, pretty much most of these faces around here, grab somebody that's up on stage. Ask them, what, what is this relationship with Christ about? What is salvation? What is being saved? What is born again? These are all different terms that the Bible uses for coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, understanding what he has done for us and placing your faith in that. And he says, when you do that, you become a son or a daughter of his. And you understand from that point on what love actually is. Let's go ahead and pray and we have one more worship song. Lord, thank you so much for your definition that you put into action. Uh, your sacrifice that you, you gave to us, for us, just because you loved us and, and you took it all the way. You humbled yourself to an extent that none of us can understand. And we thank you for that. Lord, I do pray that if there's anybody in here that does not understand what that is or who you are and, and how that incredible story can work in their lives, that, Lord, you just impress it upon their heart to, to talk to somebody, to get the answers, because you are the answer, Lord. And we're so thankful that that you've reached out to us, to reach us, to change our lives for all of eternity. Uh, we do pray that right now as we sing this last song that, that we'd be able to put our hearts into it, that, that it would be something that's pleasing to you because of everything you've given to us. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.